Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight I'm going to look at the relationship between British anti-fascism in the 1930s um, domestically in Great Britain, the um, struggle against the British Union of Fascists and the attraction uh, of uh, the international brigades in Spain um, to some of those who uh, fought uh, mostly as black shirts uh, on the streets. Uh, before we do, a bit of an announcement. We are, with any luck, on Wednesday going to be speaking with Mick Wright, um, the uh, writer, the author of the Congress of the Useless Newsletter, former Telegraph journalist, and we are going to be discussing uh, media ownership in Great Britain and beyond, uh, and the historical importance of that. And you only need to look at uh, pretty much the total anarchy that the Western world is in at the moment to get a flavour of why that's pretty topical. Okay, without further ado, let's look uh, at Unlikely Warriors by uh, Richard Baxel. Um, uh, A a book that I've been talking about on and off for several years, which had uh, backs on along with uh, Paul Preston, is uh, one of, one of the kind of the most interesting voices uh, talking about uh, the Spanish Civil War, uh, and of course um, uh, along with Giles Tremlett, who's recently um, written a new history of the International Brigades, one which I'm definitely on my list. Um, uh, somebody who's who's taken this really what had been for a long time quite an obscure story um, and brought it back front and centre into um, public consciousness. The International Brigades for many years were a kind of a, a, a legend uh, of the, the, British, the British left particularly and uh, obviously the left in other countries but particularly beloved of the British left but known very little uh, despite their uh, extraordinary courage and uh, resilience. Uh, very little was known about them, was known about them 
beyond those circles, but books like Unlikely Warriors have really kind of brought them back into public prominence. So in chapter two, um, Richard Baxall um, writes about fighting the black shirts, and he says, While many of the men and women who went to Spain had a long history of political activism, for others it was the rise of fascism in Europe and its homegrown version in the form of Sir Oswald Mosley's black shirts that principally lay behind their decision to fight. The establishment of the British Union of Fascists in 1932 was the first serious, if only partially successful, attempt in Britain to create a mass party in the image of continental fascist regimes. So, uh, th- again, there's, there's, an interest, there's something quite interesting there. Um, the fact that um, there were long-standing political activists, members of the Communist Party, members of uh, kind of anarchist movements, um, who had in- engaged in all, all manner of activism uh, over the years. And then, all of a sudden, there was just simply the anti-fascist. Um, those men and women who had not really engaged in politics particularly, but found fascism so abhorrent that they had to struggle about struggle against it, um, irrespective of any political tradition. Some found their way into movements like the groups like the Communist Party of Great Britain. Others went to Spain, uh, having little time for communism, but knowing that fascism was barbarism uh, and, and had to be uh, resisted. Um, Mosley himself had previously uh, been elected a Conservative MP, um, had crossed the floors in 1924 to join Labour, um, became becoming an MP um, for Labour in 1926. Um, he walked out of the Labour government in 1930 in uh, anger when the Mosley Memorandum was ignored, his uh, co- corporatist vision for the UK. He had uh, quite a, uh, a keen economic uh, mind um, and he established in 1931 the New Party um, which uh, has you know, limited success. And then in 1932, uh, on the advice and backing of Lord Rothermere, uh, owner of the Daily Mail, formed the British Union of Fascists. Um, Mosley, writes uh, Richard Baxel, Mosley made use of all the fascist tricks, the uniforms, the grandiose stage shows, the speechifying and rolling eyes of Mussolini, uh, and crucially, the violence. As members of the BUF later admitted, deliberately provoking violence was an essential part of the fascist programme, all part of a wider scheme to blame communists as a justification for seizing power by force. Membership of the BUF grew quickly and at its high-water mark in the summer of 1934. The party comprised 134 branches with perhaps as many as 50,000 members. This rapid growth was partly due to members of the other smaller British fascist parties joining, but it was also due to a genuine appeal. There was no question that Mosley possessed a remarkable talent for oratory. According to one of the most foremost historians of British fascism, he was without peer as a public speaker in 20th century British politics. So the BUF's membership increased um, and it gained, uh, as mentioned, some powerful friends. One of those being Lord Rothermere, owner of the Daily Mail, who gave the Daily Mail, uh, led the Daily Mail support to the, um, uh, to the, the movement. Um, Rothermere was a self-styled anti-communist 
Uh, perhaps that was more his motivation than outright fascism, but it gets, gets to a certain point where there's very little distance between uh, between the two. Um, Rothermere um, ran his infamous Hurrah for the Black Shirts um, headline uh, front page, which ran on the 15th of January 1934, in which Rothermere wrote a kind of uh, a, a glowing editorial saying that really there should be a similar movement that uh, one finds in Italy and Germany now in Britain, and really the focus is to, to sort, sort out the Reds and to uh, give the country some order and discipline that it's strongly been lacking. Um, despite Mosley's denials at the time, the British Union of Fascists received substantial help from Mussolini uh, in the region of about £60,000 between 1933 and 1936. Um, the, uh, the onlookers, the British onlookers, the British anti-fascists who had seen Italy go fascist in 1922 had seen a general slide into uh, an anti-democratic um, states across Europe throughout the 1920s um, most of Eastern Europe by the end of the 1920s is in one undemocratic state or quasi-undemocratic quasi state or another. And then from 1933 uh, onwards, um, the, uh, the world is, is transformed by the appointment of Hitler as Chancellor in, in January uh, that year. The historian David Cote uh, basically says that there that January 1933 is a dividing line in the history of the British left, uh, and everything after that was um, uh, their sympathies towards things things like the Soviet Union uh, were was completely defined by the fact that Hitler was now in power in Germany, uh, and that uh, any compromise, any bargain, any deal. Any um, arrangement, particularly with Stalinist Russia, needed to be embraced wholeheartedly because Stalinist Russia seemed to be the only power with any hope of actually defeating a resurgent, rearmed Germany. Um, in his book, The Fellow Travellers, David Coates says basically that the um, the whole the, the whole direction of the fellow traveller movement, these uh, British. Uh, liberals and socialists who went to Russia to marvel over um, the five-year plans. The whole point of that before 1933 was to uh, present a, a possible alternative to free market capitalism, which was in crisis as a result of the Great Depression. After 1933, it is purely to look for some kind of hope that there is somebody strong enough to stand against uh, Nazi Germany. Um, their hopes obviously devastated in uh, August 1939 with the signing of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. It, in addition to that, throughout the, the mid-1930s, particularly when the, the Spanish Civil War um, began, the indifference of Britain, America and France to the fate of the Republic and the, the refusal to commit, become involved, because principally either the, the, the calculation in uh, London and Paris and uh, Washington was that either a, um, a fascist power would win or a socialist one. 
uh, and neither seemed particularly preferable or worth risking lives um, and British or American or French soldiers over in order to deal with. However, British anti-fascists looked at this indecision as a, a capitulation to uh, Nazism and those on, on the left concluded that this is something that capitalism would inevitably do and capitalism would inevitably um, either roll over to fascism or um, or deliberately use it as the kind of the, the attack dog to destroy the left. One transition in 1933 was the end of the class against class policy by uh, Comintern. The idea that it was sensible um, to uh, for communist parties across Europe to attack social democratic parties, such as the KPD and, uh, and the SPD in Germany. Um, so the inability of the KPD and the SPD, the communists and the social democrats, to form an electoral pact against Hitler, specifically on Stalin's orders, um, made his um, appointment um, uh, all but inevitable by uh, late 1932. So it was an enormous own goal on the, on the part of Stalin. Um, this was dropped as a concept um, after Hitler came to power. Um, and the um, ability or the, the, the willingness of communist parties, particularly in Great Britain, to collaborate with those who they would normally have seen as their enemies um, uh, was um, enhanced. Uh, and Richard Baxter writes. Following the Communist Party's abandonment of its class-against-class class policy in response to the rise of fascist authoritarian regimes across Europe, both the Communists and the Independent Labour Party appealed for a united front against fascism. However, the Labour Party remained deeply suspicious of its former critics, and their dramatic volte farce was, um, and was unwilling to have anything to do with them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Thus, the Communists adopted the clandestine tactic of channeling anti-fascist activity through front organisations such as the British Anti-War Movement, headed by John Strachey, um, who had left Mosley's new party in disgust when he began to develop a fascist home. During 1933, his support for the black shirts increased. So correspondingly did anti-fascist demonstrations by those perceived perceiving themselves to be the targets of fascism. Communists, members of the labour movement, and particularly and in particular Jews. Um, there were a large number of British Jews in the International Brigades. Um, the British Battalion of the International Brigade, obviously. From March 1933 onwards, there were increasing occurrences of confrontations between the radical left and the BUF, uh, especially in London, where on several occasions, BUF newspaper sellers were jostled or even attacked by Jewish activists. Other violent confrontations occurred during the, uh, uh, during the, um, the year in cities such as Manchester, Stockton and Oxford. Walter Gregory, who would later become a lieutenant and, co- a lieutenant and company commander in Spain, was involved in a number of attempts to disrupt the Nottingham branch of the BUF and was wounded in a demonstration at the city's Victoria Baths. While disrupting a meeting, Gregory got into a fight with a member of the audience before a steward hit him over the head with a chair, breaking his nose. As Gregory described, the Communist Party's tactics at fascist meetings were basically simple. Get as many members as possible into the meeting and then once it was on uh, in progress, cause such disruption that the meeting could no longer continue or the disturbance would have to be quelled by fascist stewards. So um, there was a kind of a, a very uh, much milder version of the street violence uh, that was happening and uh, had happened in Germany in the run-up to the two 1932 uh, election, Reichstag elections there. The Labour Party had little interest in uh, joining any kind of united front with um, the Communist Party, um, in part because they believed that the threat of, commun- of fascism in Britain was being overstated, uh, and you know, in, and being overstated in order to give um, the communists a, a kind of a, a platform to to speak from. And to uh, allow them to to capture the concept of anti-fascism, which wasn't exactly kind of exciting the British population at the time. Though, as Richard Overy points out in the Morbid Age, um, the British press, um, both uh, for the the working and middle classes, was overwhelmingly uh, critical of Nazism, and opinion polls showed overwhelmingly uh, that British people took a dim view. Uh, of Nazi Germany. Uh, Richard Baxall writes, When the Communist Party organised a demonstration in Hyde Park on the 9th of September 1934, the press refused to publicise it. In response, the party attempted an innovative and highly effective guerrilla publicity campaign led by Welsh miner and Communist Party organiser Bert Williams, who was to become a political commissar in Spain responsible for maintaining morale and political orthodoxy. Uh, within the communist-dominated international brigades. Measures included the hijacking of a BBC outside broadcast on the 3rd of September, um, this is 1934, as a result of which the protesters were labelled microphone bandits by the Daily Mirror. As many as a million leaflets were thrown from London rooftops, banners were hung from buildings such as Broadcasting House, and slogans were daubed across the city, including a call for workers to do their duty painted on Nelson's column. Now that bit I'm I'm really find really interesting. This idea 
uh, of uh, work, anti-fascism being a working class duty. And of course, in the 1930s, it was uh, politically conscious working class men and women that saw themselves as being the key uh, target of um, fascist violence that um, working class people that were educated and aware of their circumstances and wanting to better them were most likely to be on the receiving end of a fascist boot. Um, so the meeting in Hyde Park um, numbered um, perhaps as close to as many as 100,000, um, which was significantly bigger than the British Union of Fascists contingent who found themselves totally surrounded, uh, much like uh, in 1936, at uh, the Battle of Cable Street. Um, this time, writes Richard Baxter, the booing and ridicule by the anti-fascists, uh, the event, um, despite the booing and ridicule by the anti-fascists, the event remained remarkably peaceful. Faced with such organised resistance and growing official disquiet, membership of the BUF continued to decrease through 1935, with only 5,000 members remaining in October. So the, this shows you that if Britain did have a fascist moment, it was very, very fleeting. Um, and perhaps there was something about the nature of British society in the 1930s, British parliamentary democracy, that meant that fascism was unable to grow the deep roots that it had in other parts of, of Europe. Uh, perhaps the, the fact that Britain had... Uh, one, uh, albeit on the winning side in the, the First World War, um, meant that um, there was uh, little opportunity for the kind of the, the, the kind of revanchism uh, that um, it was synonymous in both widespread and uh, German and Italian fascism. So once Mosley uh, adopted explicitly anti-Semitic policies, and this is very telling about uh, Britain, um, the popularity of the British Union of Fascists grew again. Um, Mosley claimed to oppose the behaviour of the Jews rather than the Jews themselves. So he, he tried to be a kind of a nuanced anti-Semite, saying, you know, I'm not a racist, it is just that there's something, you see something about the Jews that they, they can't help but you know, try to exploit people, which, you know, I ironic that he came out with the, the, the classic sort of dinner party uh, racist racist gaffe of I'm not a bigot, but... In his book, Think in the 20th Century, Tony Judd, who grew up in uh, post-Second World War uh, Britain, uh, has some really interesting recollections of what it's like to be the kind of the lone Jewish boy in school. Um, said that the that Britain and particularly England is far more anti-Semitic than it thinks it is, uh, and because there was the example of Nazi Germany, um, and Britain's anti-Semitism always manages to kind of go beneath the radar slightly. But this is a this is a, an interesting clue anyway. Um, its protestations, uh, writes Richard Baxall, failed to convince particularly. Uh, as his BUF foot soldiers seemed incapable of making the same fine distinction. Unsurprisingly, British Jews were quick to see the parallels between Mosley's movement and fascist European regimes, um, and were therefore prominent among those demonstrating against the black shirts. 
Although any reading of BUF speeches with their frequent allusions to alien and foreign influences demonstrated clearly enough that anti-Semitism had been present in Mosley's movement from the outset, the verbal and physical abuse of Jews, in which many BUF members were engaged, marked a change to a more offensive stance uh, and the beginning of the BUF's move into overt anti-Semitism, um, which is um, how we reach the, uh, the Battle of Cable Street, for example. Now, I just want to move on a little bit and look at uh, the, uh, the process of volunteering for Spain. In July 1936, the British newspapers begin to fill with um, stories of something occurring in Spain. Um, and over the next few days, details begin to uh, flood in about a, a military rising um, and the resistance of the Spanish government, and the fact that in um, certain parts of Spain, such as Barcelona, the, the Spanish left, in all its colours, took matters and, and also guns into their own hands. Um, and the early indications were that um, the coup might possibly fail, but it wasn't clear that the Republican government would survive either. Um, and so the response of the majority of the British public was to seek to um, turn one's attention away from Spain. Uh, memories of the First World War were still uh, very strong. One um, newsreel put it succinctly, heaven forbid that Spain's calamity should become Europe's scourge. Um, and the popular mood was to ignore Spain and hope that Britain didn't become involved uh, in, in any way. Um, the conflict was no doubt hideous for Spain, thought many British people, uh, but it was no concern of theirs. Um, Randolph Churchill, uh, Winston Churchill, said, said it was bad form to get hysterical about foreigners. Um, of course, with the advent of newsreels and radio, and the realities of the Spanish Civil War flooded into British homes and met with a, 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 a politically engaged generation of anti-fascist activists, the likes of which had never existed in Great Britain before, um, and predominantly working class, some of them communist, some of them not, but would listen and to uh, Spanish uh, activists who'd come from Spain to try to raise support for the Republic. Um, when the opportunity to travel to Spain um, via the Communist Party, uh, who helped to establish the International Brigade, the British Battalion of the International Brigade, um, and the other brigades were established through Comintern, it was very, very attractive to uh, some unemployed men, some men with jobs, um, the women who uh, went to serve in the um, international brigades, uh, ambulance corps and, and other auxiliary services, uh, also uh, deeply committed to the, the struggle against fascism. Um, getting to Spain, which we'll, we'll get onto in another podcast, was a whole other different and hazardous matter, particularly as by 1937 it had been made illegal in Great Britain and France to, to travel to engage in the Spanish Civil War. Um, anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Um, hopefully, I mean, we are uh, 
very much looking forward to getting Mick on the show uh, next uh, this coming Wednesday. So tune into that. It's going to be a real pleasure. And thanks very much for listening. And thanks very much for everyone that's currently supporting the Explaining History podcast on Patreon. Big thanks to, to Jane Erglis and her kind donation. And uh, we'll be getting some new content on there for you pretty soon. Thanks very much. All the best, everyone. Thanks and bye-bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.